Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are both telling us that we are all connected, that we are all one. So what you do to another person, you're really doing to another aspect of of yourself. And when the world awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Bridging Science and Spirituality with Lynn McTaggart. Lynn is a best-selling author. She's a research journalist and lectures globally. Um, She has authored, she's the author of The Field, The Intention Experiment, what Doctors Don't Tell You, and The Bond. I first discovered Lynn's work while watching the film What the Bleep in 2007. It was actually Lynn's statement, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. That statement, when I heard Lynn quote that statement in watching the film What the Bleep, actually awoke, woke me up to the truth of oneness. And has ever since that day, my life has changed. She has been a big inspiration in my life. I am so honored to have her here with us today. Welcome, Lynn, to Awake Thank to Oneness Radio. Thank you Thank you. Thank you. I am so honored to have you. I am, I am ve- I'm very familiar with your work. And, um, you, what, you know, um, like I said, since... 2007, I was truly inspired to awaken by that statement. That was one sentence. <laughs> you know, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. And um, I'd just like for you um, to share your story with our listeners who may not be as familiar with your work as I am. Okay. Well, I first got into this entire field uh, in the mid-90s because I edit a magazine called What Doctors Don't Tell You. I co-own and edit it um, with my husband, Brian Hubbard. And uh, our work has us researching conventional medicine and looking at better alternatives. And so every week we read the medical literature. And In the mid-90s, I kept coming across very good studies of things like homeopathy and acupuncture and spiritual healing. And I kept thinking to myself, 
if you can actually have a thought and send that thought to someone else and have them get better, then that in itself undermines everything we think about how the world works. Um, and that must mean there's a different kind of reality. So I kept pondering that whole idea. And I thought maybe there's such a thing as human energy fields. I wasn't really sure what, what I was looking for. But I persuaded my publisher to allow me to go on a journey, uh, really without a compass. So I started talking to scientists because I always take, I always start things from a scientific uh, place, a, a, a position. And I thought, well, if I talk to some frontier scientists, they're going to explain all of this to me, and then, you know, I can easily put this together. And that was not what happened. Um, the scientists I talked to. I, I soon recognized each of them were on the brink of a completely new understanding of the way the world works, but each had also discovered one small piece of the puzzle. And scientists are really very loath to move beyond the boundaries of their own experience and, so, um, and their own experimental evidence to speculate. They don't like to speculate. So I realized after that that entire task of putting this together was going to be left to me. And so I was quite daunted by it, but um, I spent about three years doing that and researching and talking to scientists and having them patiently tutor me in quantum physics. And the result was my book, The Field. And that really got me permanently into this area of inquiry, of you know, what consciousness is, all the big, big questions. I've always been interested, um, but um, I've, I've always been uh, wanting to investigate consciousness. But now, with the work in the field and the evidence that we're part of this giant quantum energy field that we can access, that question is much more compelling. Wow, amazing, amazing. So um, share with our listeners, um, like you said, the book, The Field, and then the intention experiment. Tell us, um, you know, your your, um, experiments and your your, um, results from all of the study and research you have done. Well, one of the things that started fascinating me when I did The Field, and it was a bit of leftover business, was the question of, you know, what thoughts are. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed to me that from the evidence I saw with the field, that a thought is not just a thing, but a thought is a thing that affects other things. And so the journalist, the hardcore investigative reporter in me, wanted to find out how all-purpose this was. You know, what can you do with this? I mean, are we talking here about affecting a quantum particle, or are we talking about curing cancer with your thoughts? So I kept thinking about that and pondering it and trying to figure this out. And, um, and I also was very interested in the idea that uh, if lots of people are thinking the same thought at the same time, does that magnify the effect? And so my husband really turned to me because I was looking up, trying to find evidence for all of this, and I couldn't find much, particularly about group intentions. And he said, turned to me one day and said, why don't you do these experiments yourself? And that sounded completely preposterous because I'm not a scientist. I'm a science writer. 
And the last time I ran an experiment was probably 10th grade biology class. You know, and I think I dissected the frog because my lab partner, who was a guy, fainted. So <laughs> I got stuck with the frog. Um, but that was about the last time. And But then I started thinking about it, and I thought, I had my, by then the field was in 30 languages around the world. So I had a decent number of readers. And I also had met a lot of these scientists through the work and, and my research with the field and the intention experiment. And so I thought, well, if I put this together, I'll have the biggest global laboratory in the world. And so that's really what the intention experiment became. It's not only a book about the science of intention, it's also an ongoing experiment. And every so often, I will invite my readers to send an intention to some target. And I'll have the scientists or a team of scientists set up a target. Um, we've done it with, with seeds, you know, trying to make food grow faster. We've done it with trying to purify water. We've done it with trying to lower violence in war areas. And today uh-huh. we've run 29 experiments, and 25 have shown measurable positive, mostly significant effects. Mm. Wow, amazing. It's, it's just so amazing. And, I, and it, it puts me in mind of Dr. Emoto's work with water, with just the word written on um, water of love, peace, um, these positive words, and how it affects the water. So it's, it's just uh, amazing how really science has proven through, um, you know, several years uh, that our thoughts do affect the world around us. Uh, we, we all think that we're, we're insignificant, but we're not, and, and it's so amazing. That's what really, like I said, your um, statement and what the bleep really inspired me because I, I personally had been studying metaphysical principles, spirituality, off and on for 20, 30 years. And I was really baffled by the concepts um, that spirituality and metaphysics were, were teaching because they're so foreign to what we're, we're trained in society to think. So it was really hard for me to grasp, to grasp those principles until... The big, the piece for me was oneness. Um, when you like, he, when you made that statement, it just made everything so clear. It was a one-sentence statement that I, everything was so clear to me and so simple. Because I like, I always say to people on this show, I, I say I, I love the fact that science and spirituality are saying the same thing, but I like to keep it sen- simple. Even if I have a quantum physics scientist on the show, I like to try to keep it simple because I know not everybody can do the math uh, and do the science, but if you keep it simple, they can understand the principle. And the one principle that just brought everything together for me was oneness. When I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I get in everything that I was struggling with before. I awoke into the truth of oneness was so clear for me. So I just, it's it's so amazing. Um, but that was the, the key for me. And I know that everybody's path is different. I'm, you know, someone else could hear that same statement, watch that same film, 
and has no effect on them. So I understand that everybody's path is different and everybody awakens to this truth differently. But I believe it is at the core of all of us, the, the truth of oneness, the truth of who we are is is deep inside and it will slowly and gradually awaken differently for everybody. But uh, share some of those experiments, maybe in, in a little more detail with our listeners. So especially the listeners that are more into the science aspect of oneness than um, spirituality. Well, as I say, we started out with very simple experiments because, you know, when you're trying to prove something scientifically, you really have to start from the, the ground floor. And so I first worked with... Uh, a psychologist called Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona, who very generously agreed to do these experiments with me. And we started out with just simple things, trying to affect the little light emissions that come out of living things. We know this from the work of Dr. Fritz Albert Popp, which I wrote about in the field, and the late physicist from Germany, um, who discovered that all living things send out a tiny current of light. So we did some intention experiments trying to affect that light, and we found we had an effect. And so we moved on to seeds. We wanted to see if we could make seeds grow faster. Now, we wanted to set up a very, very well-controlled, blinded experiment, meaning the scientists don't know which seeds we're sending intention to. So the University of Arizona's lab put together four sets of seeds, 30 seeds each, on little trays and took photographs of them for A, B, C, and D batches. And they sent me all four photographs of the four sets of of seeds. And every time I was speaking in front of somewhere, um, like Sydney, Australia, or um, in, um, uh, let's see, uh, Dallas, Texas, and I think I was in Rhinebeck, New York, and a bunch of places like that, when I have an audience, and then once over the Internet with people, you know, my readers invited to come all on my website and send the intention together, we would randomly select one of the four sets of seeds. We would show a photograph to the audience and say, focus on this statement. And the statement was very specific, asking for the seeds to grow a certain number of centimeters by the fifth day of growing. And we would do that. And then I would tell the scientists, I'm done wouldn't tell them which seeds we'd sent intention to. They would plant all four sets of seeds, and then five days later, they would measure them. And mm-hmm. only after they were done with that would we unblind the study and tell them which seeds we sent intention to. And we ran this experiment six times, and then we ran controls of the experiment six more times. And every single time, the seeds sent intention grew significantly higher than the controls. Um, wow. And Um, And now let's just unpack this for a second just to realize how big a wow this is. First of all, we weren't sending intention to the seeds. We were sending intentions to a photographic representation of the seeds. And we were always thousands of miles away from that target. For instance, the first time we ran this experiment, we were in Sydney, Australia. I was speaking in front of an audience in Sydney, Australia of 700 people. And the seeds were sitting there in Tucson, Arizona, uh, in a lab 8,000 miles away. 
And we're sending intention to the photograph of those seeds. Secondly, people weren't always in the same room. You know, some one time we ran these experiments, and we've run a number of them like this, where I invite my internet audience from around the world to send intention to whatever the target is, seeds, water, or whatever. And each time, as I say, we seem to affect that target. So it doesn't matter if you're together. There is some sort of psychic internet that occurs between us and the target and us and each other when we're intending together. So when you talk about oneness, this is a really spooky kind of oneness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. That is, when you, like you said, when you really think about that, it does are amazing. And 100% of the time, it, it was the seeds that were given intention in a blind study. That is amazing. Um, and that is, I mean, it's like undeniable proof <laughs> that we, are, our thoughts really have power and that they're all, we're all connected in the, the unified field. I like that term. Um, I know there's uh, several term, terminologies, but I like the unified field theory uh, terminology. And it, to me, for me, it, it's so simple. It's just, it's like, okay, how can't everybody get this? And I, I believe that was what inspired me to do this show is because I do believe at some point um, the world is going to awaken to this truth, like like the truth that the world is round. You know, hundreds of years ago, people mainly thought that the world was flat. And until it was proven to them, no, the world is round. And I, I believe with oneness, it, at some point, it's going to just be a fact. We're all connected. We're all one. And when that day comes, there will be no war. There will be no violence because you know what you do to another, you're literally doing to an aspect of yourself. You're connected to that other. So it's just, I I love the fact that science has already proven this, you know. It's just just kind of up to mainstream um, media and mainstream world (laughs) to catch up to what's already been proven. But tell, tell us more also about your, you mentioned your newsletter, uh, What Doctors Don't Tell Us. Um, and is that, is that monthly? Is that monthly or, because um, I'm not as it's familiar a, with that. Okay. It's not a newsletter anymore. It's a magazine. It's been a oh, magazine awesome. since 2012. And okay. um, it's now international. Uh, we, we've, re- we've run it since uh, 1989, believe it or not. Uh, first, as, a, as you say, as a newsletter, but then in 2012, we decided to launch it as an international magazine, and it's now in 14 countries. So besides the UK where I live, we are also publishing in the US, um, and it is our company that's doing it. We had it licensed, as we do with many of the foreign publishers now, who, who are publishing it in another language. You know, it's in French mm-hmm. and Russian and Scandinavian and, you know, a lot of Scandinavian countries, et cetera. Um, But in America, we had a licensee, but we weren't happy with the way uh, it was being handled. It wasn't coming out frequently enough. So we took the license back and we're running it ourselves. So so it's all over the place. 
but um, what doctors don't tell you, which is the name of it, um, uh-huh. is all about the conventional treatments. We look at what are, you know, what are the treatments that work and don't work according to the evidence. And sadly, for a lot of conventional medicine, a lot of them have no evidence of working and a lot of evidence of doing harm. So we mm. reveal a lot of the dangers of conventional treatments, but also provide evidence for better, better alternatives that work. So those alternatives are everything from the old style ones, like, you know, the very ancient ones like acupuncture and, her, and herbal medicine to, uh, to things like homeopathy to the very newest kinds of energy medicines. So we, as I say, we scour the literature, we look at what has worked and what hasn't, hasn't worked, and we let our readers know. So it's an exciting project. Um, we've continued to do that um, for all these years. Um, we've been, I mean, in the UK, some supposedly very vocal so-called skeptics who are essentially lobbyists who have mm-hmm. received money from the pharmaceutical industry have tried to close us down and tried to ban us, and they've been unsuccessful. It's only fueled the interest of our, our readers. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dirty business that goes on with pharmaceutical medicine, and it's really important, I believe, to look for better alternatives and to ha- have a bigger and greater understanding of the way the body works, which also has a lot to do with the other kind of work I do, the work about being all one, being an energy field system, m- means that our methods of healing have to be very, very different from what we think. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. No, uh, I agree with you a thousand percent. I actually have been um, holistic my whole life, even before I knew what the word holistic meant. Um, it was something intuitive with me that um, I just, when it came to medicine, and both my parents were in the medical field. Um, My father was a dentist, and my mother was a a supervisor of a hospital lab for over 50 years. And they both wanted me to go into medicine, and I was like, nah. I had no interest in going into medicine. But um, just intuitively, um, I would... I, I'm knock wood. I'm, I'm always been extremely healthy. Uh, matter of fact, the only um, illness, illness I ever really struggled with, and this was many years ago, was um, migraine headaches. Um, somewhere in my mid-30s, I started getting severe, I mean very severe. It, it, it gradually built up where there would be times I would be in the bed for three days with the blinds closed, no light, no phone unplugged. I mean, I couldn't move for three days. I didn't, I didn't understand at that time that uh, what we call a headache is a migraine is not a headache. <laughs> Something far worse. But I, um, and I never did even then take anything um, to over the counter. I just kind of think, okay, I have to ride this out. Let me just get in the bed. But um, I was just studying and doing research and um, someone said, try meditation. And that's when I, uh, this is um, about 20 years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I uh, started to meditate to cure my migraines. And within, and this is the honest truth, within two weeks, uh, my, my migraines disappeared and have not been back. 
It's two weeks of meditation, about 20, 30 minutes a day, uh, deep breathing exercises. I cured myself of migraines and never had to, you know, go to to get um, prescription drugs or anything. But I just intuitively told myself, no, you don't want to go that route. You don't want to go pharmaceutical. Now I know (laughs) that holistic is for me uh, personally is the best uh, alternative but at that time I didn't even know it was just something intuitively my body I believe I've always been kind of led by by spirit even when I didn't know (laughs) I was being led by spirit but um, it's so true what you said and it's so true it's so great that the your efforts with the magazine is growing despite big pharma, as we like to call them, um, you know, trying to, to squash it. And I believe the Internet and all of what we now know um, is coming out and open freely for mm-hmm. everybody to discover. So that is making these things just more known because now we have access to, to these things. But that is – and how often uh, – you said it's a magazine and it is monthly – because I must, mm-hmm. I must subscribe. <laughs> I must oh, well, subscribe. thank you very much. Well, yes. it's now available, as I say, for Americans as well as people around the world. But people can get subscriptions right to their door, and they can find out more by going to www.wddty.com. That's what doctors don't tell you.com. Okay. So wddty.com. But thank you. And it's also available and, and selling very briskly in places like Whole Foods and Barnes and & Noble in the States. Okay. All right. Um, I am in a local, a very kind of rural area where we don't have a Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, the closest thing we have to Whole Foods where I live is, um, is oh, I can't even think of the name of it, and that's a good half hour away. But um Wegmans. <laughs> Wegmans is the closest thing I have to Whole Foods. Um, but yeah. it, uh, um, I do understand what you're saying, though, and it, it's so great that it is globally um, available for all and that I, um, I did hear you speak of before about how uh, it's growing despite the efforts of a big farmer. So it, it, that is amazing. Um, I share this knowledge of holistic um, alternative medicine with everybody I know that has any kind of ailment. Um, but, uh, you know, I know that people have to come to come to their own decision, especially when it comes to medicine, um, because it's their body, and it, they have to feel comfortable with the choices they make medically. So, um, but we know that our intention also has a lot. Even if someone decides to go traditional Western medicine, their intentions also can play because your thoughts and your intentions are much more powerful than we think. Um, That can also um, play a big, big uh, part of uh, your healing. I mean, intention, in all that I've written in the intention experiment, I've pretty much summarized all of the evidence about health and thoughts about health 
And we know that, I mean, it's not only your thoughts about yourself and your global relationship to the world, but also your connection to other people. One of the big, big things that helps reverse health issues with people is, is a community of some sort, whether that's uh-huh. a book club, a church club, something where you're connected to other people. Um, they found that, you know, that being connected protects us against everything, including the common cold. I mean, it's really uh-huh. amazing how much connection means to changing situations. And they find even with heart ailments, um, only half of people who get heart attacks have high cholesterol, only half. Uh, mm. A good percentage of the other half are actually lonely. And they found mm. a big connection between loneliness and disconnection and things like heart disease. So um, connected is really important too. But as you say, I mean, in addition, you know, what you intend, what you put out there in the world, you know, there's a big um you know, there's a big, oh, it's almost a cliche now, you create your reality, but it is very true. You basically, as I said before, a thought's a thing that affects other things. And we've had plenty of evidence demonstrating it has a huge effect on the body, huge effect. Um, one single argument between people can delay wound healing by an entire day. So mm-hmm. if somebody's got a wound and they have an argument with someone, that'll delay by an entire day. So those kind wow. of negative thoughts, yeah, have a huge effect on our bodies. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. So, so true. Um, yeah, because it's, it's, it's mind, body, and spirit connection. And basically when the, 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 your mental thoughts your, are not healthy um, and your emotions are not healthy, it, 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 where it shows up is in the body. Because that all that emotion, that the the mind, the thoughts, it's all connected. It's all connected. And the healthier you are as an individual, you're actually because of our connection, you're actually making the whole collective that much more healthier. So every individual health person's health is connected to the global health of everyone else. Yes. Absolutely. So true. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I, I, uh, I have to um, just apologize. It's not you, Lynn. It's um, because we are connecting through the Internet um, because of distance. Lynn is in the U.K., and I am on the East Coast of the United States. We're connecting through the Internet, and I've noticed this sometimes with that connection um, you're going in and out a little bit. I mean, I still understand you, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to um, uh, put that apology out there for my listeners. Um, it's just technology, <laughs> but it's all good. But, yes, so, yes, it all, when when you think about it, everything comes back to the oneness, the oneness of our mind, body, and soul individually, but that oneness mm-hmm. of our mind, body, and soul also connects to the collective mind, body, mm-hmm. and soul. The, mm-hmm. It is yes. so amazing. So, Lynn, well, and that's you, what we're tapping into. That's what we uh-huh. see with the intention experiment. That's what we're tapping into. We see we're connecting with a, a, a collective, and that the amazing thing is that 
you know, you're able to make this connection, whether you're present with the other people or not. That, and then I think that is what's so extraordinary about it. Yes, yes, exactly. Like you said, with the with the experiment with the seeds, it wasn't even the seeds. It was a picture. It was just a a, a visual representation of the seeds that people connected with. So that that shows you that you can affect somebody's healing from all um, thousands and thousands of miles away. If you know of someone and you just know their name and maybe you just send a, a healing thought to that person, that has an effect. Prayer, power of prayer is is totally, and it has been scientifically proven um, how um, effective the power of prayer is. I had doctor, oh goodness, I'm so bad with names, but I had a, a, a medical doctor on the show that, you know, spoke to that. He wrote the Larry Dossey, there you go, Dr. Larry mm-hmm. Dossey, who wrote the book One Mind, which is amazing, because I love when I have medical doctors and Dr. Bruce Lipton and yourself, people in the scientific field saying that this is not all woo-woo, hocus-pocus kind of stuff, you know, it is, this is, is backed up with some hardcore scientific evidence. So it, it, that is, that, that's what really blew me away. I'm telling you, when I connected the two, I was like, wow. How I come know. Not, I was like, how, I don't understand how people don't get this. To me, it's just simple, and you, you don't have to know the, the logistics of it. Just understand the, the core principle, and to me, it, it, it's so self-evident. So um, it's so amazing. Absolutely. So, yes, sh- share with us all. I know you are a very busy lady, <laughs> and thank you so much again for taking the time out to come on to Awake to Oneness Radio. Um, I did start this show about a year ago and you were one of the first person I knocked on your door and been knocking <laughs> for Aww. years like and I know I, I know how busy you are so please share with our, our listeners what's coming up any events you'd like to share um, that they can I know they can check out your website which is www.lynn spelled with an e mctaggart.com but share with our listeners some events that might be coming up in your near future okay well first of all I'm going to be running a year long intention master class that will be starting in May and that will be up very shortly we're going to be announcing that very shortly Um, and what I do with that it's a teleseminar a seven week program Um, So I teach people weekly for seven weeks all the rudimentaries of intention. It's like intention boot camp. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I put people into groups, and we observe them and help them for an entire year. So we've just nearly finished with the first year, and it's been extraordinary to watch. The transformation in everybody who's been part of these groups has just been amazing. People relationships have transformed. People who didn't have relationships now have them. People who were struggling with money suddenly are abundant. People who are, you know, who had difficulty with their life's purpose. People who had difficult health issues 
are mm-hmm. resolving them. Things like vitiligo, in, you know, reversing chronic fatigue, overcoming, being overcome, all sorts wow. of things like that. So it's quite amazing what's gone on with the people in these groups. Um, and I've been also studying them. Um, a, a university has been studying the power of these groups with me, and I will be bringing out my new book, The Power of Eight, next early next year, which will be very oh. much about groups and the extraordinary things that happen, the amazing uh, uh, effects of healing in small groups and the amazing rebound effects of intention. So I'm going to be doing something about that. Um, For events, I have an event in June in London. For any of your European listeners, I have a special rewriting your story workshop. Um, I'm running Mm -hmm. with my husband, Brian Hubbard, who is the author of a book called The Untrue Story of of You. And it's Mm -hmm. all about, um, it's all about how we create ourselves from the past and how the past takes us over like an unwanted guest. So we've Mm -hmm. merged our information with intention and with Brian's theory of the three selves and the self of the biggest self being the past. And we uh-huh. created a workshop where people can overcome the thoughts and the past that holds them back. So right. in a sense, Brian cleans up their past, I clean up their future. And we help them <laughs> rewrite their story so that that story going forward is joyful, abundant, and fulfilled. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I do, I understand that because like I said, for many years I was studying metaphysical principles and, and uh, spiritual principles and I was really struggling with it. And the, the reason I struggled so much for so many years was the conditioning, the, how society, you know, how we're brought up in society and all, and, um, you know, religion and, and our parents, they're telling us one thing, and then when we look into um, this principles of metaphysics and even now quantum physics, it's telling us something totally different than what we were brought up with. So it, it is, a, uh, I understand, a challenge to o- overcome the old thoughts, those, that old thinking and a lot of people even though it's almost common knowledge now that your thoughts are creating your reality that you hear that almost everywhere now there it's so hard for people because of their the way they're brought up to really embrace that idea that they're they're and they're and because they're stuck in their same thought pattern they're creating the same reality because the thought pattern hasn't changed so um that is amazing, and I, I'm sure for you, it must be so encouraging to see people's lives actually change. Um, I like I, I've just been doing this show a year. I love the fact that it is international; people can listen to it, and I get a, a letter, email, or a letter every now and then, just telling pe- telling me that you know the show is inspiring them. And I I heard from a listener just last week that now he's encouraged to actually follow his passion, you know, from listening to one of my shows. And that's just, it's so encouraging when when you're actually affecting, even if it's just one person. Like,
actually woke me up to the truth of oneness and changed my life. So it's just, you know, it's it's, it's very inspiring work um, that you are doing, your husband is doing, and to be able to share this through this avenue of an Internet radio show that can be listened to at any time, any place. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah, amazing, amazing. I Thank hope you. I don't know are are you planning to be in the states? I know you are for those listeners who may not know uh Lynn is uh born here in the United States and she married an English gentleman and she now lives in the UK. Um but do you plan to have anything any event in the US anytime um soon? Oh yeah, I'll have many events in uh 2017 when my new okay. book The Power of Eight comes out. I will be coming to America. Um, my events <laughs> this year are taking me elsewhere around the globe. Uh-huh. I've got something in, I mean, I'm coming to Santa Fe, but I'm, I'm participating in a, um, in a retreat and uh, I have a conference in the States, but I won't be speaking uh, in, in California, but I won't be speaking at either event. Um, but my mm-hmm. events are in Switzerland and London and Dubai and Kuwait and, you know, and, and Brazil and a number no. of other places this year. So I'm going everywhere else but the States. But we That's just finished a retreat in Costa Rica, and we had a lot of Americans at the retreat. But we'll uh-huh. be doing a number of events in 2017. So for people who are interested in my work, they just need to stay, you know, stay posted, stay tuned. Yes, yes, yes. And also you are a big contributor to um, the Global Oneness Day, um, that is hosted by Humanities Team. Um, I know that you um, speak on that day, um, ha- and you have in the past. Um, Global Oneness Day is a day that has been um, designated by Humanities Team. Um, it's October 24th every year, and it's actually they do now have enough signatures so the UN can sanction it uh, a day, you know, an observance day like uh, Earth Day um, every year, mm-hmm. October 24th. So that is, uh, I I love the work that Humanities Team is doing. We have the same goal, <laughs> to, to help inspire the, to awaken the world to the universal truth of oneness. And uh, so I, I I stay in close contact with what they're they're up to. <laughs> that Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I love that I love being on their show. I'm usually on with one of the other people interested in science, like Bruce Lipton or Greg Britton. Um, we usually, you know, have a little uh, kind of team talking about things, and it's always right. a really wonderful talk. And, yes, we're right. doing it again this year, too. Wonderful, wonderful. And also the, the, the SANS convention, I know that – there's the Sand Convention in uh, L.A. or in um, on the West Coast um, yearly, and I think they they also have a yearly convention in Italy. I could be wrong with that, but I think so. And Sand stands for Science and Non-Duality. Um, and mm-hmm. the thing I love is um, the 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 terminology. I, I like the word oneness because it's just simple, but non-duality means the exact same thing, and that's usually when you're talking to someone in the scientific field, they'll use the terminology non-duality. So there's so yes. many 
conventions and so many organizations really dedicated in, in spirituality and in science dedicated to um, really inspiring the world to awaken to this truth. And it's it's like a no-brainer when it happens <laughs> that there will be peace, there won't be war, there won't be violence because you understand that you're only doing that to yourself. So it, it's so, so, so wonderful. Um, I yes, am... I, at the Science Convention, uh-huh. the last book, The Bond, came out. I spoke there, uh, which was just okay. a few years ago. Um, and they were wonderful. We had some really great speakers there, too. Yes, yes. Now, tell, tell us a little bit more about The Bond, because that is your, you, that came out, um, what, a couple of years ago? Tell mm-hmm. us a little, little bit more about that. Well, I always intended the field, the intention experiment, and The Bond to be a kind of trilogy, because mm-hmm. I wanted to, first of all, uncover the science about why connection and that's the field is really about as i say a quantum energy field that unites us all like an invisible web and the intention experiment was really trying to say okay what is intention what are thoughts and how far can they go as i said now the bond was basically about okay if we're on the brink of this big scientific uh, uh, revolution um how do we live because the way we're living now is really according to an old paradigm, one of competition. So how do we live beyond competition? That book was all about. And it gives you a blueprint for how to relate to people differently and how to um, see much more holistically and, and how, to, um, how to connect much more and to operate more in groups. So and it also gives a it's an argument for how to you know why we're not supposed to be competitive and how how competition is actually killing us. So mm. it's really a, it's really an answer to Darwin, basically saying okay. no survival of the fitness model is completely wrong. Yes, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's so true about the competitive nature. Uh, of society in general, and I was watching. I just wa- I don't have regular television. I stopped. I stopped watching news in 2001. Most of my listeners know that. Right after 9/11, um, my spirit said, "Turn off the news and don't turn it back on." And I was obedient. And at that time, I didn't even know why. But I stopped watching commercial television in 2011. Um, but I did. I've been hearing about this show. Um, about a kid's show, and I tuned into it. I have uh, Hulu Plus and Netflix, so I tuned into it last night, and the wonderful thing I love about this show is that it's not a competition. It's just a show to uh, feature and showcase kids with this incredible talent, but it's not, and it says that we're not a competition. I was like, great, this is wonderful. It's not a competition. Kids come, and they just share their light, you know, and share their incredible talent with the world, and there's no competition in it. So there's no winners or losers. And I was like, this is this is a sign of the change of the times, that, you know, um, 
competitive, you know, children always competing is, is not a good thing. I, in my, in my opinion, um, a child should be free to be a child and and follow their passion and be unique and and just let their light shine just as they are. They are perfect as they are, and they don't need to compete with another child. You know, so um, I I really I enjoyed it. I watched all four episodes last night. I can't even think of the name of the show. Steve Harvey. Um, Steve Harvey is the host, and I know Ellen uh, DeGeneres is uh, one of the producers of the show. But I really, really enjoyed watching all these amazing kids, and they weren't competing against each other. So that is so true, what you said. But um, that that also brings us to living in oneness. So I know a lot of people that might be listening say, okay, when I awaken to the truth of oneness, how do I live it? How do I show it in the world? So The Bond, um, which is a great book to pick up, um, it will give us ideas on how to and tips on how to live it. And, and that's it's important because it's one thing to know it, but to live it is, is a whole mm-hmm. other matter. Yes, that yes. is so so true. So share well, share a little bit more because I actually was not familiar. I knew of the book title, but that was one book I wasn't. So share a little bit of what the uh, how the book guides people into uh, living their truth of oneness. Well, first of all, it makes the case that we belong connected, you know, that we, we need to be connected and not compete, and that we, when we do compete, we actually are worse off in every regard. Mm-hmm. So it really lays that foundation. And I'm not talking about the sports field, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, as you said, even children. I mean, the, the latest studies show that, you know, when A students and C students learn together, instead of being streamed according to ability, et cetera, when they're Mm -hmm. learning together and there's less competition, both do better, both the A students and the C students. So it's um, remarkable what removing and competition does. In Mm -hmm. places like um, Microsoft, uh, where they used to have these little silos of competition, uh, Jack Canfield once told me about how all of these little silos used to compete among each other for various prizes. And the competition and the fear of not doing as well was so great that it actually stifled innovation. Compared to Google, where working as a big team was much more encouraged and that everybody won that way. And by removing that kind of competitive fear, people were able to flourish much more. And that is so evident in so much evidence that I've got in the spunt. But also in terms of living it, I felt that there were there were more there were four things we really needed to do. We needed to number one see much more holistically. Uh, uh-huh. We need to relate to each other differently, so that we're not worrying. You know, most of the time when we relate to people, we relate to people who are only like us, and yeah. we demonize people who are not like us. We don't know how to look at the American election for any more evidence of, of, of that, you know, how much demonizing there's going on at the moment. Um, yes. But, um, and so what I have in my book are a lot of exercises to help people connect with people who are not like them and to realize mm-hmm. that the important thing is changing your attitude about 
someone. And one of the best ways to connect with someone who's not like you actually is to be vulnerable. That seems so counterintuitive. We always think we have to be much more, you know, we have to be much more uh, defensive and on the attack with people who are not like us or people who are, you know, attacking us. But by being vulnerable, you're inviting someone else to also share that. And usually they take up in the overwhelming number of instances, they take up that invitation and connect. It's a way of cutting through the differences to the deeper truth of our connection and who we are. So that has been one demonstration that works over and over again. There was a perfect example of that with um, a a right to life group and the right to free choice groups in America in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a number of years ago, just a few years ago, there were some shootings at the Planned Parenthood in Cambridge and the number of the people who were employees there were killed. And so when tragedy happened, the right to lifers and the right to free choice people said, this has gone far enough. We need to start meeting. So they met in secret for several years. And during the time, they they learned how to turn down the demonizing of the other and look at common values and also talk to each other about why they believed what they believed. Mm -hmm. Over that time, they started learning how to deal with teenage pregnancies together And when there was another threat on Planned Parenthood, it was the right to lifers who tipped off the right to free choice people about the the Planned Parenthood attacks and Uh the planned attacks, and they thwarted them. And then at the end of these couple of years, they held a press conference. And the press asked them, so who won the debate? And both sides said, well, no one, because now that we believe, we've expressed how we believe and what we believe, uh, we believe what we believe even more firmly. And so mm. the press said, ha, so the whole thing was this, this experiment was a failure. And they said, oh, no, because now we all go out together. We party together. We watch each other's children. We love each other. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, you know, you don't have to be the same to connect. You just have to share why you believe what you believe. Share deeply from the heart. It is the bigger, bigger connector. Instead of demonizing the other side, Talk about why you believe what you believe, and you'll be amazed at how that connects you. So wow. I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned that there were two other things, too. And another mm-hmm. really important aspect is, uh, is small groups. As I say, I've been doing a lot of work doing intention in small groups. That's what I do with a lot of my workshops, groups of 8 to 12, which is why I call it the power of 8. And I've found that these small groups are unbelievably transformational. And I think it probably has a lot to do with the idea that we are meant to be part of a bigger whole. We don't experience that very much in our lives because we are more and more fragmented. Our communities are breaking down. You know, a lot of people just have friends on the Internet. They don't have real friends. They don't have connections in any way. But finding this, and this was part of my year-long intention experiment master class this year, by putting Uh people in small groups and having them connect for an entire year, miracles happen. And for a lot of these people, these groups have become their intention. They've become their intention family. They've been, they've said, you know, 
I now know I have these people who are watch my back all the time, and I really can trust them. I know them more than I know my own family. So mm-hmm. that group, that small group effect is really so powerful. Um, and the final thing that's really important about making a new connection and living in a new way is stepping up to the plate yourself. Because, you know, most people are just sort of sitting back passively waiting for life to change, waiting for mm-hmm. things to change, and hoping people like Donald Trump will do the job for them. But, um, or, or Bernie Sanders, you know. <laughs> but the real truth of the matter is that nothing is going to evolve until we start evolving. So the whole evolution has to start from within and has to start with you. And so a lot of people say, well, what can I do? You know, how can little me make big changes? But it's an extraordinarily powerful thing. Just making a change in your own life, one tiny change can have a huge ripple effect. Uh, One of the things that I discovered in the bond is, how much we are copycats of each other and how much, you know, we imitate each other. So that um, what they found, these are Harvard scientists, if Uh you're happy, you're more likely to have happy friends, not because you self-select happy people to be with, but because of the natural spread and infection of happiness. And it's true Uh with negative emotions too. Loneliness, even overweight is infectious. But uh-huh. so are good deeds. And they found that if you just do one tiny little good deed, that can, if you're kind to Peter, he's more likely to be kind to Paul, he's more likely to be kind to Bob, he's more likely to be kind to Sam. And so that can create a kind of an avalanche of goodwill. So when people say, well, what can I do? It reminds me of the story of Marie who worked in, a, in an office. And she had this typical dog-eat-dog place where everybody was stabbing each other in the back. And so she decided to do a simple little thing just to, she hated her, this environment. So she decided, well, I'll just leave change in the Coke machine with a little sign saying, your Coke's been paid for. Keep the spirit alive and pay it forward. Well, this caused a complete ruckus in her office. And they started creating a, a spy network to try to find out who the secret Santa was. So Marie upped her game and started leaving donuts up in the next floor with the same sign, keep the spirit alive, pay it forward. And this became the dinner conversation for weeks, and ultimately it became the catalyst that completely changed the culture of that office. It was that simple, just being Uh the change, being the change you want to see. But it's all about taking that responsibility and saying, yeah, we can do this. I can do this. So, so, so. So true. That is so true. Um, everything you said um, is so amazingly true. Um, like you said, the um, people that that see or uh, view another person as the enemy are so different. If they just took time to talk to one another, they could see what they have so much more in common. They have probably more in common than they have different. And it's not about... It's not about changing, like you said, the the two groups up in Massachusetts. They didn't change their view. Uh, It got stronger, but they grew an appreciation for the other, you know, just appreciating the other and and, um, showing kindness and love. It's 
I always say the the solution to everything is just love. You know, just being, and in love is just being compassionate and caring. It doesn't mean you have to think alike and have the same ideas and the same beliefs. It just means you lo- you care for that other person as another human being, like you want to be cared for. The golden rule, do unto others. You know, it's just, you know, it's so, so true what you you just shared. And in that book, uh, The Bond, it's it now on, I must run out and buy it <laughs> because that is so true. Uh, everything you shared about how we can come together on a smaller scale in small groups and, and that also the, the also understanding the truth of oneness, even those who are alone, because loneliness can be a, a very devastating feeling. I know it. I've felt it many times in my life. And when you feel that you are alone in the world, which is the farthest thing from the truth when you really understand oneness, that even though you're not in a room with somebody, uh, there, you're never alone. Our, we're all connected. I, I always say I have now seven billion brothers and sisters. I may not have met them all, but I know I have. I know I'm connected with everyone on the planet. So that that in itself, knowing your connectedness to the whole, will help alleviate some of that that loneliness and and. Um, and raise your vibration, raise your energy, and and have you go out maybe, and then maybe meet someone who's feeling lonely too, and then you guys can come together, you know. Um, but it's 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 so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, you are amazing. <laughs> Continue, please. And I'm hoping one day, if I don't get over to the UK, that I get to meet you when you're over in the United States, and I am looking forward to your upcoming book. When will that be coming out? I believe it's going to be about January of next year, January 2017. It'll be January, February 2017. Okay, for my birthday. (laughs) My my birthday is in January. Very good. Wonderful. When's your your birthday? January 12th. January 12th. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, well, yes. great. Well, seven members of my family, including me, are all January too. Okay. Very <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Very well, good. thank you so much. It's been lovely. Uh, just wanted to remind everybody for more information about me, they can connect through my website, www.lynnmctaggart.com, and follow me on Facebook. That's Lynn McTaggart 2011. And also my website for What Doctors Don't Tell You, www.wddty.com. It's been a delight to connect with you. Thank you. It has been my honor. Thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your day, and I definitely will be following each other online. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.